This program is made possible by the giving of the God Called Partners of Renner Ministries. My name is Denise Renner, and I welcome you to my program. I'm so excited about this program today because we've been talking about being others minded and how powerful that is. On the last program, we talked about you giving your testimony is about being others minded because your testimony encourages somebody else to believe and receive from God. So it's about being others minded. And I'm so excited to talk to you about that today. And if you need prayer, please let us know. We want to know what you need. We want to know about the concerns that have come into your life. And we want to join our faith with yours and come before the Father together. The Bible says we're two or more agree together, touching anything by our Father. It will be done by our Father, which is in heaven. And we believe in that power of agreement. So please call us and let us know how we can pray for you. And if God's doing something special in your life through these programs, please let us know because we want to rejoice with you. Well, I want to talk to you about some amazing people today because they were definitely others-minded. And that is a, a queen, Queen Esther. Actually, she won a beauty contest. I've talked to you about that before. We're going to talk about her being others-minded. <clears throat> We're going to talk about a man who was dying seconds away from death. And he was others-minded. And then we're going to talk about four lepers who were others-minded. So are you ready? We're going to get started. Well, let's turn to Esther chapter 4, and it's verse 16. And if you don't know the story of Esther, I encourage you to go and read that book. It, you can read it in not very many minutes, and it's a blessing to read that book in the Old Testament, the book of Esther. And what happened was, the king, the most powerful man on the earth at that time, his queen displeased him. And so he got rid of her. Well, then he decided to have a beauty contest of all these young virgins and they would come into the palace and he would choose one of them to be the queen. Well, he chose a beautiful young virgin whose name was was Esther, that was actually uh, her Persian name, but he chose her. She did not reveal her identity that she was Jewish. And what happened was this king, he elevated this man named Haman to a very uh, high position under him. And, this, and he was a wicked man. And this wicked man, Haman, because a certain Jew would not bow before him when he passed by. This wicked man, Haman, said, 
Because this man, Mordecai, will not bow when I pass by, I want to eliminate all the Jews. And he made a deal with the king and to eliminate all the Jews. Well, Mordecai, uh, Esther was chosen to be the queen and uh, Mordecai came to Esther and he said, uh, Esther, you've got to do something because um, if, if you don't do something, if you don't stand up for your people, then this through this wicked man, Haman, all of them are going to be eliminated. And that'll include you too. Well, Esther had not been called by the king for one month, for 30 days. And she said to Mordecai, she said, I can't go before the king because he has not called me. And if, if, if I go before him, not invited, then by law, he can kill me instantly because I came into his presence without being invited. And she said an amazing thing. Remember, she was others-minded. You'll understand in just a moment. In verse 16, she says, Go and gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast fast light also. And so I will go before the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. In her laying down her life like this, the risk of her own life, she was thinking of others. This is what I want to talk to you about because the Bible says in Timothy that in the last days, men are, and women are going to be focused on themselves. And friend, we don't want that to be us. We want to be others-minded. We want to be thinking about others. What is the good for others? How can I be a blessing to others? And Esther, in this place, she is queen, yes, but for her to go before the king, it meant without being invited, it meant sudden death. But she said, I will go, and if I perish, I perish. And in her doing that, she was others-minded. And what happened through her? Some other events happened. The king received her. You have to read the story. But she was able to save a nation. You know, you might be saying, well, I don't know what I could do that's so powerful for others. Like her, I mean, she saved a nation. Well, you can't compare yourself to her because God has an individual plan for you. If you have a testimony, it's not just for you, it's for others. If you have things in your life that can be a blessing for other people, it's not just for you. Yes, it's for you, but it's for others. And do you see how that this position that Queen Esther had, oh yes, she enjoyed the royalty. She enjoyed everything 
and all the attention and power and all that she had. But when it came time to it, for her to give all that up or be willing to give that all that up, it was for others. And she saved a nation. And I'm just telling you on this program, as we study about what we have, whatever it is that we can give to somebody, it's, and, and we can give it, and the Lord says give it. It's for others. It's going to build others up. And that is the mind of Christ. God gives to you and I, but it's not just to you and I. It's so that we will open up and give it to others. Well, let me tell you about somebody else. So in the book of Acts, and actually it's chapter 7, and we'll go there. It's uh, Stephen. He's the first martyr of the church, and he's being stoned. And the way they did that is they put him in the outside the city. They put him in a deep hole and they began to cast um, large stones upon him so that, you know, maybe crush his skull or break his bones. And they're in the process of stoning him. And when he is about to die, I want you to see it. It's in Acts chapter 7, and it's a verse 59. And it says, And they stoned Stephen, and as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So you know that he only has seconds within his body to live, seconds of breath to live. But listen to how others-minded he is. Verse 60. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Now he is about to die. I mean, he's suffering at this point. He can hardly breathe at this point. He's in great pain at this point. But at that very point, he's praying for somebody else. He's saying, God, do not charge these people with this sin that they are committing right now. Forgive them, Lord. And right after that, he died. The power that he had, even in two or three seconds left of his life, he was thinking of others. Remember Jesus on the cross. We can't even describe the suffering that Jesus has in his body, his mind, his emotions, in his soul of carrying all of our sin, of carrying all of our sickness and our shame and our guilt. And the wounds on his body and the torn flesh and blood coming off of every part of his body. He was so wounded that in Isaiah it says you, he, you couldn't tell if he was a male or if he was a female. His flesh was so torn. He's on the cross. He's pushing up on those nails and in his feet to try to get one more breath. He's in such agony. But even in that 
agony. He's others-minded. And he speaks to John, the Apostle John, and he says, there's my mother. I want you to take care of her the rest of your life. I've always thought that was amazing. What am I saying to you? What am I saying to myself right now? I'm saying that no matter what our circumstance is, how bad it is, how horrible it is, how unfair it is, it was so unfair what was happening to the Jews under Esther. It is so unfair what was happening to Stephen when he was being stoned. It was completely wrong what was happening to Jesus. He was judged completely unfairly. But even in those circumstances, they were others-minded. What does that tell us? That tells you and me that no matter what's going on, we can be others-minded. Now, I want to share a story with you. It's out of 2 Kings chapter 6 and chapter 7. And this story is so amazing of the power of being others-minded. So what's happened is that there's been a terrible famine. Elisha uh, prophesied a terrible famine, and there's been a terrible famine, and people are dying from this famine. Um, it, the Bible even says that, uh, and, it, and it gives an account in uh, chapter 6 of Second Kings of women eating their children. I mean, it was terrible. People were starving to death. It says that people were even paying money to eat the dung of doves. Can you imagine being so hungry that you're willing to eat the droppings, the dung of a dove? Well, that's, that's what was going on. And so the king, Jeroboam, he got so angry. He said, I'm sending men to that prophet and I'm sending them there to cut his head off. Well, they come to the prophet Elisha's house. And Elisha knows that they're coming to cut, cut his head off. And what does Elisha do? I think this is amazing. Instead of running, instead of, instead of being afraid, Elisha prophesies that on the next day that the whole economy is going to change and that the, a, a shekel of silver is going to buy a lot. It's going to all change. Well, do you think that Elijah can see any of this? Is this even visible before his eyes? No, what's visible before his eyes is this angry king, Jeroboam, wanting to cut his head off and people starving to death and willing to eat their children and willing to eat the dung of doves. That's what's in the natural. That's what he can see in the natural. But the the prophet Elijah, he prophesies that on the next day, people are going to have plenty to eat. Well, that's pretty amazing on the next day. Well, so what happens is, now listen to this. God will use 
anybody to be others minded. In verse four of chapter seven of second Kings, it says, it's talking about four lepers, four lepers. Now lepers were such castaways and people ran from them. They were unclean. They had to yell that they were unclean if they got near anybody. But these four lepers were outside of the gate and, and they're the only ones there. Everybody's left. People are starving. Uh, the Syrians had left. I mean, they had taken over the city. And, the, and these four lepers are just outside of this gate and they're having a conversation. And it says in verse 4, If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we shall die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, well, we shall die. Verse 5. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the other skirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, and the noise of a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they they rose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact with tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went in one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing, and then they went and they hid it. Then they came back and they entered into another tent. And they carried away the same thing, the gold, the silver, the clothes, and they went and hid it. I mean, these lepers have hit the jackpot. They're eating, they're drinking. Everybody else around them is, is starving and dying of thirst. And they are in a feast. Look at verse 9. And they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Verse 10. So they went and they called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We went to the Syrians' camp, and surprisingly, no one was there, not a human sound, only horses and donkeys, and the tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out, and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king, he hears this, he arose in the night and said to the servants, let me tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry. Therefore, they have gone out to the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come into the city, we shall catch them alive and, and get into the city. And all of his servants answered and said, 
talk to, talking to the king. Please let several men take five of the remaining horses. Only five horses were left because of the famine, which are left in the city. Look, they may either become like all the multitude of Israel and are left in it, or indeed, I say, they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed by the famine. So let us send them and see. So they go, and verse 14, Therefore they took two chariots with the five horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. And they went, and after them to the Jordan. And indeed, all the road was full of garments, weapons, which the Syrians had thrown away in, in their haste, so that the messengers returned and told the king, because they were so afraid that this huge army was going to overtake them. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So who saved all these people of God? Four lepers. Four lepers did something for others. They could have taken it all to themselves, all the gold, all the silver, all the clothes, all the horses, all the donkeys. But they said, we've got to go tell others. And in them telling others, the people of God were saved. Now, my point is, who would think of lepers saving a city? Who would think of a dying man speaking forgiveness over everyone who was responsible for killing him? Who would think of a queen who, who won a beauty contest, saving a nation. God's ways are so much higher than our ways. Friend, we can't look at the little that we have and say that it's nothing or it won't affect anybody or, or it's not powerful. Don't do that. Don't diminish what God has given you. Don't diminish your testimony. Don't diminish what God's already done in your life. You've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell because God did it for you. That's correct, and it's so wonderful. But how could what God's done for you bless somebody else? I've told you before, that God, many, many years ago, that I, that disease that I had on my face for 13 years, and I was re rejected. I was jobs. I was turned down from jobs. I was turned down from singing groups. I was made fun of. I, I thought that's my future. But God, overnight, in one night. He completely healed my face, completely. That testimony, somebody might say, well, 
That's not a testimony of being healed from cancer. Uh, that's not a testimony of somebody giving you a house and, 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 and you didn't have a house. I could diminish my testimony because it was a disease on my face. But you know what? I'm not diminishing my testimony because it was the power of God that touched me in the middle of the night. And if the power of God has touched you, saved you, delivered you, giving you peace in your mind when you should have been upset, saving you from danger, healing your child, giving you a job when you didn't have one, healing your body, you've got a testimony to tell somebody else. And it is absolutely necessary that we speak our testimony and tell about this living God. He's the living God. People are desperate to hear your testimony. They don't know there's a living God. They think he's just far away out there and he doesn't care anything about them or that he doesn't even exist and you've experienced him in your life and he's done great things in your life. No matter what it is or how small you think it is, it was great in the eyes of God and his power touched you. Don't hold back your testimony. Be others minded and give what you have. I just told you a nation was saved because somebody was others minded. And the people of God were saved because others were, that person was others minded. You've got power to make a difference in somebody else's life with your testimony and being others-minded. Father, I pray for my friend right now that you give them boldness and discernment to look at what you've done in their life and not to hide it, but to give it away. And Lord, I pray that in the precious name of Jesus for your glory. Amen. Well, friend, we're out of time. Thank you for being with me, and I'll see you next time. All of us want our relationships to grow and improve. For example, don't you want your marriage to be in better shape than it is right now? Even if things are going well, you probably see areas where it could be improved, right? In this candid 16-part series, Denise Renner hilariously and compassionately reveals areas where all of us can do better in our relationships, and especially in our marriages. Sometimes little changes make big differences. Titles in this series include, Help! My mouth is making trouble for me. Who is in control here? My mouth or me? I thought I was supposed to change it. Help me, Lord. I need to forgive. I thought I had already reached my forgiveness quota. Rick Renner says, this series is so awesome. Every person will laugh their way to transformation as Denise candidly addresses areas where we can all improve. This life-changing 16-part series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $25. We are also offering you Denise's companion book, Who Stole Cinderella? for just $15 with genuine warmth and candor. Denise recounts the journey of her own struggles in marriage and the unique insights she learned along the way to attaining emotional health and happiness. Your life will be enriched by biblical wisdom as Denise sheds light on your path to happily ever after and shows you right where to begin again if you've lost your way. Don't miss this special offer. The entire 16-part series, School of Cinderella, and the companion book, Who Stole Cinderella? Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
This program was made possible by the giving of the God Cole Partners of Renner Ministries.